Hello and welcome to this special CN podcast where we are focusing on Asia's thriving cocoa industry. I'm Anthony Myers and today I chat to Alvin Lee who was appointed chairman of the Cocoa Association of Asia at the beginning of 2021 for a two-year term. He's also Cargill's Cocoa and Chocolate Commercial Director for Asia Pacific and he gives listeners a 360 degree view of the region in terms of trends, the market, challenges and countries to watch. Take a listen. Wow, that's a that's a big question. Uh, no, so I, I guess you know, if from a cargo perspective, there's there's uh, there's been a tremendous amount going on. You know, we we were the the, the proud owners of of a new uh, chocolate factory uh, in uh, in Singapore, the uh, Alls Chocolate business. So we're very excited. That's our first uh, foray, if you will, in the Asia Pacific region into the chocolate space. We've previously only been involved in the uh, in the cocoa space. So this is a great. You know, it's a great first step for us, right? And and Alst obviously has the presence, the history, and I think the you know the, the customer relations that will allow us to to fast track that ambition we have in in the chocolate space. So we're very excited about that. That's that's really what's keeping uh, you know my team and I fairly busy uh, these days. Uh, moving on to the Cocoa Association, you know, I I'm you know very honored obviously to be in the role that 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 I'm in. Um, I've you know I returned to 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 Asia um, and to Coco in in 2015 after a few years uh, away, and you know I was I, I jumped right back into uh, Coco Association work and I served on the exco for for the last uh, uh, five six years prior to election um, as chair, and you know my predecessor Richard uh, Fahi uh, who's still with Barry Calabar but he's he's uh, relocated to to Europe. He, uh, you know, I think what we tried to do in his time and what I'm going to carry on trying to do is to, you know, modernize the agenda of the of the association to make it much more relevant and useful for, for members, you know, and I think also to make it much more um, inclusive. So a few few ways that we've been we've been trying to do this. Obviously, um, you know, we've 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 made a couple of of, of small changes, you know, mm-hmm. constitution wise where we uh, are now actually uh, basically mandating that, you know, in any exco that we have, you know, going forward from the next elections, we'll have a very equal representation of processors, uh, candy manufacturers, and, and trade houses, you know, the three main voices in, 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 in the sphere of our, our, our industry, right? And this is, this is obviously, uh, I think, naturally logical and, and, and important to have because you know you, that's the only way you get issues to come to the forefront and, and solve them together right um, I think historically it hasn't always been that way for whatever reason and I think processes may have had an outsized or, or trade houses in the past had had an outsized influence on the agenda but we're trying to to to, to shift that right um, you know we we in terms of making the association more useful and powerful for for members, we've we've actually launched a few initiatives. We're quite proud of some of the progress made so far. So I think one of the, one of the more important things that we've done is we've we've launched um, you know taken a, a leaf out of our our sibling organization's uh, books in, in in Europe, for example, and and basically started um, what we call professional subcommittees. So we now have you know directors for sustainability, directors for uh, trade policy, and director for 
for uh, food safety and, and regulatory issues. Uh, we also have a director for education uh, issues. And, and the point of all these subcommittees is that we've basically asked members to contribute real experts, right, from, from within their ranks, right? So the sustainability subcommittee, for example, is helmed by uh, Feifei and Manfred, you know, two stalwarts on, on the Asian cocoa sustainability scene who between them, you know, I don't want to uh, give away the ages, but, you know, they've easily got, you know, half a century worth of experience between the two of them, right? So, you know, these are, these are, 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 are really well-meaning, very knowledgeable individuals who step forward. And I think that's been one of the most encouraging things we've seen uh, so far in, 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 in the current sort of like a new X-Coast terms that we've been able to get people who haven't historically taken part, you know, to really step forward and, and bring something new to the association and to the members, right? Because at the end of the day, this is fairly volunteer work. None of us getting paid for this. And I think what's heartwarming is that a lot of the people who have stepped up, you know, do have quite a few years of experience in the space and are doing it because, you know, they, they want to give back and they want to help further the agenda collectively. So that's, that's some of the exciting work that we have um, uh, going on. Um, you know, in terms of making the association more prominent, you know, we, we have, um, at least within the membership so far, we've had a very successful launch of a product and bean, bean benchmark. So Asian products and, and bean benchmark. So that helps basically members um, and, and any interested stakeholders to have a bearing on where you know, products and, and, and raw material prices are at a certain stage in time. And that's important because it, it aids in transparency, it aids in, in, in accounting, it, it, it helps in, you know, risk evaluation and management. Um, and, and, you know, beyond that, we're, we're, we're kind of curious to who else might be interested in the data. So some of, some of the things that we've we started to do to try and, and make the association much more modern in its agenda and, and, and relevant to, to members, because that's, I think been one of the biggest challenges that we've we've had, which is, you know, we represent a very wide range of stakeholders in a very disparate and disconnected region called Asia Pacific, right? Where there's not like our friends in Europe or North America, where there's not one sort of like common economic union to to govern a lot of things, right? Okay, thank you, thank you, Alvin. Um, I think just for, for listeners um, who perhaps don't know. Uh, you know a lot of a lot about the the Asian uh, Pacific cocoa uh, sector. Uh, we were talking just before we came on air about China starting to produce cocoa and exporting a small amount to to Belgium. Um, can you just uh, explain who are who are the main players as a, as in the growers in in in, in your in your region? Uh, Philippines maybe. Uh, I think they've, they've got a very good reputation for the quality of their chocolate. So who, who are your kind of main drivers in, in that area? Right. Uh, no, uh, great question, I think. So actually in the Asia-Pacific region, you know, in terms of volume, we have actually sadly, you know, fallen uh, off the world map quite a fair bit. We used to have two very significant producers in Malaysia and Indonesia, you know, who once between the two of them produced easily, um, you know, seven to 800,000 metric tons a year. Um, I think all that is left right now, Malaysia has become but a footnote with much of their cocoa um, uh, growing replaced by palm. And Indonesia has gone from, you know, maybe six to 700,000 at its peak. It's probably down, down to closer to 200,000 tons um, a year. And, you know, there are a lot of reasons uh, won't go into it. And it's uh, for a totally separate uh, session. Um, 
but as a region, you know, I, I would say that it 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 has been on the downtrend overall. You mentioned Philippines. That's maybe a bright spot. It is it is up and coming. You know, the the growth uh, the growth numbers seem to be increasing every year. I think what is also m- much more encouraging because you know cocoa is a tree crop and it does take time for you know for trees depending on the hybrids that you're growing. You know, anywhere between two years to five years. You know, for full maturity and and, and full fledged production. Um, so I'd be curious to see uh, how the Philippines comes along. You know, we, we understand that there have been thousands of, of, of hectares that have new growth and plantings that will come online over the next few years. So that could be a bright spot in terms of production. Um, and, you know, outside of that, I have to say that, you know, it's always encouraging to hear about places like China, Australia, you know, having some little, what we would call niche or specialty uh, uh, growths coming out of it. Uh, but at the end of the day, in terms of the global sort of crop, you know, these are still small, uh, interesting uh, footnotes rather than something that will influence the global supply and demand picture in that sense. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, latest figures from the ICCO suggest that, you know, cocoa uh, grinding uh, figures are up across the board because of post, post-pandemic now as we're coming out of the, uh, the, the, the coronavirus uh, situation. And they're saying that cocoa processing activity in, in Asia, along with North America and Europe, have risen. So that's obviously good signs that the, the economy, the sector, the sector is starting to bounce back after what has been a very kind of difficult 18 months, two years for, for everybody. How has it affected um, the, 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 the sector in, 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 your, in your area, in the Asia-Pacific area? Yeah, so if you look at the, uh, the Asia-Pacific uh, grind data, which the CA releases every quarter, we just released the, the, the latest quarter on, on Friday. It came in at around just, uh, just a little bit over 210,000 uh, metric tons for, for, for the region. So that was actually up from a year ago by four, four-ish percent. Uh, down from the previous quarter by four-ish percent. Uh, it's on the, you know, all things considered, it was a fairly strong performance. Um, but, you know, we are as a region right now and, and as a global uh, industry, amongst many other industries, all being affected by several uh, logistics issues, right, in terms of, of container freights and all that. So that is definitely throwing a little bit of a spanner into the works at the moment. But, you know, I think by most accounts, we hope this is... Uh, more temporary than anything. But if you look at the past year's performance or the past two years' performance of grind in Asia-Pacific, and, and you look at it in the grand scheme of things, Asia has actually done really well um, in terms of, of, of processing and, 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 and you know, consequently, you can assume demand. Um, I think the bright spots of the pandemic um, years, if you will, in the last couple of years, has been that, you know, we have maybe basically traded off some of the food service consumption in exchange for more home baking at home consumption, right? And that's that's kept, you know, the, the demand pipe fairly uh, steady in that sense. Uh, if you look at the first couple of quarters of grind data of Asia Pacific, for example, we actually produced, you know, new grind records for those two quarters as well uh, versus previous years. So, you know, in the grand scheme of things, on a holistic level, it's actually been, I would say, fairly encouraging uh, in terms of the demand patterns and, and signals. And obviously, as we start to see, you know, from, from, from some of the, the latest announcements, uh, Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, all announcing, I would say, significant, uh, Australia, significant concrete steps in the path to reopening. 
you know, I think I think that the future is is fairly bright in that sense, right? Um, you do have to remember as well, pre-pandemic, before all of this, uh, before it all went down, um, the APAC region was actually on an extremely aggressive and bright uh, growth rate, and we had actually just hit a fresh processing, you know, uh, record grind. Uh, for the region in in the quarter before the uh, before the COVID issue started to 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 come out left right and center. So I think all in we are you know we are hopeful we're we're we're, we're confident that that uh, the demand will be coming back you know that that the reopening is is on its way um, and you know us as a region us as an industry um, in, in the region are, are obviously well placed to to take advantage of that if you will. Great. No, no, thank you for that. That's a, for a fascinating insight in, uh, and a up-to-date picture of, of what's going on in, in, in the region. Um, I'll just quickly move to um, basically the consumer side trends um, in, in, in the area, which is another fascinating um, subject for, for, for Rosie in Europe and North America, because, um, you know, it's particularly... Um, the Japanese market is is very important to a lot of uh, confectionery companies in Europe and North America. A lot of companies, you know, trial their new products over there to, to, to the Japanese market. Um, and I, we just I just had a did a report a couple of weeks ago about the German confectionery industry saying you know that they they they're recovering again from the pandemic and they're seeing demand once more for imports of their, their confectionery into into the region. So what, what sort of trends are you picking up on, on that and on the consumer side? Is, is that a healthy healthy situation now? Are people buying more confectionery? Is it more, uh, the, I, I think, again, the, you know, single origin premium uh, chocolate is becoming a quite influential in the area, would you say? Yeah, so I, I think I I, I, th- I think that that trend obviously you know maybe took a little bit of a hiccup during the last couple of years with with the reduced amount of tourism and travel, but it's definitely something that's you know strongly associated with a, a post pandemic um, um, rebound. Um, we have a we have a very uh, common held belief in, in 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 the cocoa and chocolate space, which is that consumption of chocolates is is basically more or less directly correlated to the increase in GDPs. Um, and Asia Pacific as as a region as a whole, right, is still very quickly developing. And you know, even in, in spaces like China and India and all that, GDP still have enormous potential for growth, right? And consequently, the consumption story, I would argue, similarly has huge upside um, to it. In more, you know, I think you mentioned Japan earlier. You know, in, in more established, mature, and what we would call trend-leading markets like Japan, they're the ones who set you know, if you will, the next fashion statement, right? And and in, in, in that confectionery chocolate space, the Japanese in particular have proven themselves to be um, very innovative, right? If you look at some of, you know, if I call out something that, that has always struck me as fascinating, how they do it differently in Japan versus the rest of the world. You know, if you look at how they have Kit Kat boutiques in Japan, yes. that's, a fascina- that's a fascinating example of the level of innovation that goes into that market and and how companies are willing to throw a lot of innovation or R&D dollars at that market because you know it, it's a market where things where things stick right where where where, where people are, are willing to take a chance and maybe it's a cycle and you start to get that reputation for innovation so it just keeps repeating itself which is wonderful to see and 
you know, back in the days when we could travel, that was, you know, admittedly one of my favorite things to do, which is to go there, uh, pop into a Kit Kat boutique, and to see what kind of crazy, uh, what kind of crazy uh, Willy Wonka type stuff they were, they were, they were up to, and it was beautiful. It's, I think it's part of what makes, what makes cocoa and chocolate such a fascinating and passionate uh, industry, right? Because you really can come up with almost anything uh, in a space, right? And okay, whether it tastes good or not is a is 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 personal preference, right? I have a lot of friends who like durian chocolate. I'm not sure. I'm not personally convinced by it myself, yes. but you know, there you go. You know, the the the, the boundaries of innovation are, are are relatively limitless in that in that sense. Good. And, and finally, uh, Alvin, we can't we can't leave uh, this conversation without asking about the uh, the CAA, CAA's um, Cocoa Conference. You're looking at 2022 for the conference. Hopefully, it will, it will everything will be um, all clear on on a global perspective to to host this conference in Singapore. Is it, are there any plans there? Have you got any updates on that? Yeah, so we do good, uh, and and we're actually we're actually patting ourselves on the back as we as we talk about it, because we 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 finally uh, sort of came together. We 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 looked at it real hard, and we said, you know what, um, with the way things are going, let's let's take a few small educated bets and guesses here. So we've pushed the conference, you know, to to basically the very first week of September twenty two. Uh, that's usually quite a nice sweet spot because it's just after the European holidays. It's right before the African main crop season. So everyone wants to, you know, have a little bit more insight information into what's going on into the next crop. It's It's been a nice sweet spot of ours to have our conferences around there. And, you know, we said, we looked at the calendar, we noticed that it was... It was relatively empty, um, and we said, "You know what? Let's let's do it, right? Let's 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 be one of the first to put something back on the agenda." Um, so we've we've blocked that out. We 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 said it, and then you know a week later we had all these announcements from countries around Asia about about the opening up. Um, so yeah, so we're we're very pleased with our decision because I think we you know touch wood feel like we've really turned the uh, page here. And unlike the last cancellation where we thought, ah, you know, I, I think that the, the current day circumstances are, are very different from where we were, say, last year, right? And maybe foolishly or optimistically, we, we, we thought uh, that this year would be different. Um, but no, I think, I think there's a lot, you know, to, 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 to be uh, grateful for and, and there's also a lot to look forward to. So, no, the next, the, the next major international cocoa uh, conference in, in, in Asia organized by the CA will indeed be happening first week of September. You know, we, we've, 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 you know, we've mm-hmm. thankfully had um, actually all of our sponsors uh, stay, stay in place. Everyone is, you know, very, I think, uh, I think we were all very pleased. In fact, maybe somewhat uh, surprised even at how successful the last uh, iteration was in 2017, uh, we were due one in 2020 in uh, in March actually, so that wasn't great timing. But you know that was actually uh, very well sold, um, very well sponsored. So most of the sponsors have stayed in place. Uh, a lot of ticket sales have also stayed in place. So we're excited. You know we 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 hope that this will be a great release for everyone to come together for the first time as an industry internationally. And obviously, right before another crucial uh, crop year, starting in October of, of 22. So we hope it's it's you know it'll be it'll be very well received and and attended. And and obviously, we have just like we did in previous conferences, 
we have quite the exciting lineup, you know, in, in terms of programming and, and experts who, you know, will no doubt fly in from all over the world uh, when the time comes. Good, thank you. And I look forward to hopefully maybe joining you. Uh, we'll see how we go. But it would be a fascinating area. It's a fascinating region. It's young, dynamic, sophisticated. It's got a, a lot going going forward. And there's, there's great work being done by the CAA. I, I get the updates from your press marketing team. Um, you know, and there's some good, as you say, you've got the benchmark now as well for the, for the cocoa uh, quality. So there's a lot happening there. So it's, a, it's definitely a region to, to keep an eye on. And um, again, Alvin, thank you again for your, for your fascinating insights and uh, updates on, on, on the current situation there. And uh, wish you well with uh, your, the, your remaining uh, tenure as a, as a chairman. And, um, and good luck with the, you know, your work with Cargill. And we'll, we'll speak again soon. Thank you, Anthony. Thanks for the, thanks for taking the time. And uh, yeah, no, good luck for the the rest of the tenure. No more pandemics. Touch wood. You know, let's uh, <laughs> let's try and uh, let's try and move forward here. But no, I think uh, I think brighter days ahead, right? And 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 you know, I we we we're hopeful we'll see everyone uh, uh, sooner rather than later in this part of the world, including yourself. Thank you.